Your body is confused. Your lungs feel like water. Your heart fire. You feel as if you're dying. Good evening and welcome to <laughs> the Blood Sweet. I am your afterlife connoisseur, Rain Coleman, and you can check me here, there, and everywhere. So we're getting into the second episode of Interview with the Vampire, and I'm now going to be using, going forward, the hashtag IWTV pod interview with the vampire pod that will be the official hashtag of this review show bliss was merely a stage in my transformation pain followed a seizing and unrelenting pain through which i would pass before my apprenticeship began what's happening your body is confused your lungs feel like water your heart fire you feel as if you're dying because you are And then there's the red shirt. I recognize the hypocrite I am, emphasizing cleanliness after I overindulged. But our proper disposal is the penance of a sated vampire. And you want to always have a conveniently located graveyard nearby, so. <laughs> we live off the blood of the living, lap up the blood of the deceased, and it'll suck you right down into death along with your victim. Now, there are a few things that I do want to get into, but before we get started, please be sure to check out the official Blood Suite for the entirety of the month of October. Just this past Sunday dropped the first official installment, and that was the review of Eddie Murphy and Angela Bassett's Vampire in Brooklyn. All right, so let's move along. Let's get to the, to the shit. So, when watching the first episode of interview with the vampire there was something that felt so eerily familiar though i have not picked up an Anne rice book ever though i haven't seen the movie interview with the vampire since i was a child though um queen of the damned is i believe my only other exposure to Anne rice's uh, literary work literary turned film but let's get into louis now this is a queer man. This is, I don't want to say clearly because it may be just a matter of opinion, but this is someone who is a assumed uh, power bottom <laughs> with certain mannerisms that are very appealing. But if we're going to take this even deeper, Jacob Anderson plays the character of Louis Dulac. <laughs> and he's been in quite a few things. And when I looked over his filmography, Game of Thrones is the only thing that he has been in that feels familiar to me. However, that felt 
too shallow of a role for me specifically. And I say that not because Game of Thrones is terrible, but because I, if I'm not mistaken, I've seen him in the Game of Thrones two or three times. I fell off, I think about season five or six, so I'm not even entirely certain that I have heard him speak in that show. What I have heard is Jacob Anderson's voice for like the past six years. Because I didn't know, well, I didn't realize that I've been listening to his music forever in a day. <sighs> Jacob Anderson is a uh, recording artist and he goes under the name Raleigh Ritchie. Fam, I don't think y'all understand how significant this is. I was already devilishly attracted to this man. And there was something about him that felt familiar in a way that felt creepy and not creepy like someone stalking you but creepy like why do i feel so close to this person and it can't just be my physical attraction to them no he's literally been in my head for the last six years i've been playing his music like non-stop now what i will say is his album art it's very it's 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 simple and because i only know him from music and i I don't know, it's just a weird situation. You guys, let me know. Use the hashtag IWTVPod and let me know. Have you ever had this situation where you um, are familiar with something, be be it someone from a movie, from a TV show, sports, something? Because I feel like this isn't unique to me, but the the mind-blowing freak-out that I had when I was, like, sitting (laughs) at work and it hit me, you know this man's voice. So, what? look, I'm a stand. I'm a stand already. Now, I already have my reservations about this particular story, about the way it's told, about the interracialness of it all. But, like, being a fan of vampires, being a friend of Raleigh Ritchie, and then seeing Jacob and not realizing they were one and the same has me on board even more. So, though I still may have some reservations that will be expressed throughout the course of uh, reviewing this show, I will say they kind of set me up to be a fan so mm, and i would like to sing one of his songs for you guys because you know i have such an amazing voice (laughs) but he has a british accent or a uk accent and i butcher it every time uh he has this song (sighs) what is the title let's speak up and i mean in the night it's something something speak up i haven't seen the last is that blood sport i think that's it Paradise lost in all this world. Laying the house to not conform. Real talk is the talk we be living in the talk we're living and we don't buy civilizations. Too many famous lets we be out on the pavement if we don't over the oh it's overdose. Okay, cool. So um we go see overdose. He looked man, I can't believe I didn't realize that it was this man. Time to face up to Paradise Lost in all its flaws. They're playing the cards to not conform. Real talk is the talk because we're living in the talk and we live in if we don't find civilization. Alright, let me stop there. So, anyway, let's say all that to say. I'm a fan, and ain't nan one of y'all gonna stop me from being a stan of Louis. Not Lestat with his predator ass, but Louis. I'm a fan. So getting into the episode, this 
was pretty interesting. What I will say is that the reservations that I had from the first episode when I watched the second one, they're still there, but I don't really think they're reservations. I think what it is, is I'm having a visceral reaction watching these two on screen. And though we're in 1910, but I think by this time it's been six years. So maybe 1916, I think, I don't quote me, but it's been long enough and they've been together for some time. And I am still having this like innate emotional, physical reaction to them because Lestat, I don't see the appeal. Like I, I get it. Um, like I understand what I'm looking at, but for me personally, with my own living experience, I'm like, bro, I, what are you doing? How did we get here? Um, and I do see how Lestat is very much a, see, I don't even want to say he's charming. I'm going to say he's just a predator because if he, okay, so I'm not an Anne Rice stand. I'm just going to go off the information that's provided in this show. And jumping ahead of a lot of different scenes, Lestat and Louis end up at a opera and an opera where Louis cannot be his equal. He has to fake as if he's his, what is he like his little assistant or a coat handler or some shit. But when the lights go down and they're able to sit with each other um, as a couple, because this is all intensive. This is a date for them, a romantic night out. So Lestat is very much into music he loves the opera and he mentions that the original, I don't know, guy, I'll <laughs> say who like wrote this very specific opera that's being performed, Lestat was there when he did it. The woman who's the lead, she's doing a phenomenal job. She sounds good. Yes. The, the guy, however, who's the lead, he doesn't sound terrible but he does not sound good like even someone who does not have an ear for music i think it would be easy enough to understand that the way he sounds is very bad compared to the woman and lestat has this like he goes into this rage it's very control he feels like american psycho to me he feels like someone who is psychotic and i say that based off of the entertainment hollywood representation we've gotten i'm not a medical professional i can't tell you with someone who's psychotic lord i hope that's not derogatory <laughs> y'all don't charge them ahead in my heart but that being said he has this reaction that is very contained initially and he's again a predator he's a hunter he's able to experience this anger and get filled with this rage and yet still maneuver throughout polite society in a way that is perceived as charming, as intelligent, that allows people to lower their defenses. And so he uses this to get the opera singer, which is a white man. And I don't, I wonder if he's Italian. And I only bring that up because we are talking about 1910 America. We're talking about the South. And I, this is an Italian opera, I think. If I'm getting any of this wrong, y'all, please correct me. But I feel like this is some Italian opera. Um, and the the guy next to Louis looks a little darker, a little bit more olive skin. He's clearly a white person, though. But I bring that up because it's not like they're hunting minorities. Like, I, I feel like it's very important with everything that's been going on to, like, 
And then also, you're not going to see no black folks on stage doing opera and Broadway and all that back then. But that being said, he is, he pretty much humiliates the man. So he, he and Louis brings the man back to their house. And Lestat and the guy are at the piano. And Lestat is playing whatever song that the opera singer did. The tenor, I think it was the tenor, did not sing well. And so they're going on and on. And Lestat has this way about correcting this man as if he's a child, but not in a way that is reprimanding him. I don't know. It's, it's, it's odd because it's like, oh, the guy's singing me, 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 me. But instead of Lestat being kind, he's like, no, it's me, me, me. You're wrong. Do it again. And then he's like, going. it's, it's almost, I really don't know if I have the words for it, but it feels like any number of shows, movies, properties that we've seen where someone was subservient to another and when you're not doing something right, this false sense of like kindness that is hiding this monster <laughs> behind it is what it was. And so Louis saw this and he was like, man, you don't have to humiliate this man. He's not doing well. And I was thinking in my head like, Taking myself out of the show's continuity for a second. Who's to say that this man, who is not that great of a tenor, is not the understudy for someone who happened to have gotten sick? And now he's paying the ultimate cost of his life because he happens to be the understudy. For, like, that's a made-up situation in my head, but it's something that could happen. And I was like, bro... This man is having a terribly, very bad, no good day. He is dead. <laughs> and it's so messed up, man. Like, Lestat is, oh, he is evil. I am not a fan. So, Lestat puts a hole in the man's neck. It's really quick and swift. It's almost like, um, almost like he was a swordsman. So, kind of going back to my original point, Lestat, I'm not entirely certain how old he is, but he is at the very least 73 years old. Um, because he mentioned to the tenor, he was like, yeah, you're doing this wrong. And you know how I know? Because I was there when so-and-so wrote it 73 years ago. And I was like, yeah, damn, <laughs> relax, please. Um, and so I would imagine he's at least, I don't know if you, if, if you, if 73 years ago, you saw this man write this, I'm going to assume you were an adult then let's just say you were 35. So you're at the very least, in my eyes, 115 or something. And if the actual age has been listed in the first two, maybe three episodes, please let me know. I'm just, I don't recall. But a lot, a lot of this episode was Louis talking to the journalist and explaining Daniel and letting him know, like, this vampire life is not for me. And that's so funny to me because that's not what I got from the flashbacks. What I got in the second episode is that Lestat is a superior vampire in the sense that he's had more seniority. He's had more time to spend with his gifts. And Louis is new to this. There is a racial divide that's there. There is a seniority divide. So it's almost like lover, um, student teacher, um, then the interracial element, and then even... Um, uh, aside from the racial element, which you can't really ignore, there's also the status where, yes, Louis has made money hand over fist for him and his family with his dealings. Lestat 
with combination of a lot of different things, but he came into this show being substantially more wealthy than Louis. Like, to the point where he's pretty much Louis' sugar daddy. <laughs> Louis is this twink power bottom who is bougie as fuck and gets everything that he wants because him and his man got money on top of money on top of money. And Louis is really battling with his gifts, but I saw it as him just learning. And I know there is a moment of a few moments, especially at the opera where Louis is noticing like there is something is different. Something is off here. And I guess you could read those as he realizing, Oh, this isn't for me, but that's just not the way it came across to me. Um, Louis, Louis's eyes are now just like Lestat's where they are. I want to say like a green, like a mint olive combination color. Cause it's not a regular green that you would see naturally. It's very much like his sister said, it's like church glass. And he spends a lot of this episode with sunglasses on dressed just like Lestat. And when they, <laughs> When he goes home, his mother is having a, I don't know what the hell this was. It was a party. And at this point, Lestat has taught Louis how to read the minds of humans. He said, the mind is just like any other organ. And for the most part, humans really want food. They want to go home and they want sex. Uh, There was a young woman, a young white lady walking down the street and like reading her thoughts she says something to the effect of, "I um, it's not cheating if it's with a woman because I can't get pregnant. And then they moved on. Then it was a young black boy shining shoes. And they thought that his, Louis thought that his desire was different, but it was like to go home. He said, I'm making it in this town. I'm going to get out of here. Such, such, and if not, I'm going to go home. So it was, I want sex, home, and food. There was an older white man who was like a panhandler. And... He had talked to a pastor and the pastor was like, well, just pray for food or some shit. He was like, I've been hungry for a day and a half. I'm going to whoop somebody ass. And I was like, do that shit because you look hungry. (laughs) So that was the montage where Louis learned how to read minds. And so when he did this and he took Lestat with him back home to see his mother and his family, his mom gave this... She had this inner dialogue about you're dressing this way. You're pretty much saying, nigga, you gay. Like you out here hanging out with that gay white man and his the way he dressed and how you dress like him and you're wearing shades and this and that. And this fool like responds to her. Um, and it catches her off guard and she's like, yeah, what the doctor says, there's something wrong with my eyes. I have to wear these glasses or whatever. And it was a interesting little scene. It The rift between Louis and his family because of the death of Paul is so hard to watch. And the thing that I, I'm not, I'm never going to empathize with Lestat. Lestat is evil. He is a predator. He should be murdered. And I say this because yeah, y'all went and raised Bent Louis. And I do think that care is given to the, the black characters I'm 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 still not a hundred percent, but Lestat has taken more 
than Louise's life. Black people have community, be it found family, biological family, God family, friends, and all that. And I think having this set in New Orleans, the way that they're portraying it as this city that never sleeps, well, not city that never sleeps, a city where it comes alive at night and the daytime is for resting, it would make sense that you'd have vampires there. But you have taken this man away from his family and being able to naturally interact with them as he has before because you're attracted to him because you have a desire for him. You are a predator. You couldn't even respect that this man was in a funeral procession to um, go to the graveyard where he has to now bury his brother because maybe you put some seed of something in his mind when you were glamoring him, and maybe not. But either way, the carelessness that Lestat has when it comes to Louis is very disgusting. And white man in 1910 who's been alive for eons and has all of this lived in experience and has been at the top of the food chain forever in the day why would you give a fuck about someone else but it's like i'll never be able to i'll never empathize with him there's not one thing i'll say this if ann rice and co can make me empathize and be sad and feel for Lestat, the Nay have done a damn good job, but I'm gonna tell you right now, it'll never happen. In my Ian voice, it'll never happen. So I just don't care. You're disgusting. You you're a terrible person. Um there is <laughs> there's a moment where Louis is he wants to continue running this <sighs> club. And he he's doing this to get his girls, and I like this, I like this, that at the first episode, he has pretty much his little red light district, and it's not bad, but it's just not, um, it's not built up in the way that other businesses are. And so he makes sure that he is able to purchase this club, hire his girls and his folks who's been with him forever, up their pay, and pay the musicians and everyone a fair wage. Something that they hadn't had before. And a part of this is Louis speaking with, I'm going to get this person wrong. Pretty much a motherfucker who helps you close a deal with another party, like a banker or some shit. And they're talking. And the way that this white man is speaking to Louis is that very southern slave, old school Oh, you! I didn't know you were so smart. Oh, you're so bright. Oh, you're kind, this and that. And I was like, eh, this nigga got to go. And Louis lets him go. But then his hunger and his vampiric nature takes over. And he kills this man. I was clapping the whole way. I was hooting, hollering. I was, look, I was I was team Louis even more at that point. And so him and Lestat get into this argument. And I really enjoyed this argument, though, again, I hate Lestat. I hate him. I want him to die. I hope the reason why he has not showed up in present day is because he is dead. But I found this girl's TikTok and she went over describing every single one of Anne Rice's vampire witch books. And it seems as if he's in a bunch of other books, so he's probably not gone, but I wish he was. So they get to arguing 
And Louis killed this man with like an all-white suit on. So he's covered in blood. And they put him in an incinerator. Him and Lestat are having this argument. And Lestat is like, man, you can't be killing folks. And he was like, he disrespected me. And my hate for Lestat aside, I was like, yeah. And you, Lestat, is the same motherfucker that that was one of your talking points while you were wooing slash hunting and praying on Louis. You are being bullied and 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 fucked over by these white men you deserve more you deserve better don't let them take advantage of you and then when he has the ability to defend himself and he does now it's a problem like come on let you can't have it both ways which one is it which one is it you demon so <laughs> my favorite part of this episode of this argument is when they're arguing and shouting back and forth and louis is like Fuck you. And Lestat, I do not know French, but he says fuck you back to him in French. But they get to this conversation about being a black man. And there is this dismissiveness that Lestat has when it comes to Louis and his experience. He's like, oh, no, here we go again. It's like, what? And I want to say Lestat says something to the effect of like, when you, if you're looking for this, you're going to find her or some shit. And I'm just like... How fucking tone deaf can you be? Yeah, it's 1910, but nigga, you've been around for ever in a day. Like, it, the other thing, and this is, oh, this is, okay, I'm going to go there. This is one of my issues that I have when you get interracial couples that are not just couples. When the interracial part of their relationship is this thing to be beholden, this this gem that you shine up and polish and serve on a silver platter, or it's this whole, your whole personality at that point. For Louis to explain what my issue is, this is why I killed this man, knowing that this is risky, you have to take into account that I know it's just as risky as you do. So the very fact that I've done this it's not because on oh, this new vampire who can't control himself. It's because I now have a power that I have not had in all of my years of living. And my people, black people, have not had because we're constantly dealing with this threat of white supremacy and white violence enacting on our bodies any and every time of the day. And there's not a whole lot that we're able to do without pushback. There's not a whole, there's not a surplus of power that we have that can neutralize or annihilate or get rid of this threat where we could feel comfortable and live comfortable without that looming threat. And now you've bestowed upon me this demon, demonic, evil ass power that is allowing me to enact this revenge. I'm not doing it all willy nilly. I'm doing it against somebody who deliberately disrespected me, which was a talking point that you, my white lover, have decided to put into my head when you were pursuing me. And now, when shit hits the fan and we have a situation, you decide that it's better to be dismissive of this experience that I've had as a black man for X amount of years. I'm going to say Louis is like probably 27 to 30. I was utterly disgusted. I was like, again... Not, I hope, and I know there's going, to, there's going to be people who do, oh, I shipped them, I love them, their relationship is goals. No, these motherfuckers do not need to be together, and Lestat needs to be put down. He is a demon with, like, running rampant. Like, um, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. But 
And I'm not even saying you got to be, I mean, they're vampires. We're dealing with monsters. I'm not even under this impression that, oh, there's this Twilight, very sensitive vampire where you can like just eat animals instead of me. I'm not, I don't care about all that. What I'm saying is this nigga is a fucking predator. You've gone after this man. You fucked his life up. You've turned it upside down. You pursued this black man. And then when it comes to his black experience being an inconvenience for you and your aristocratic eon centuries old highfalutin ass life that you're used to then it's a problem it's like even in your best situation where you are equals in the bedroom and in your home when you step outside you aren't seen as equals the very fact that you go to the opera as a romantic night out on the town and this man still has to walk a few paces behind you so that they, i'm like girl get the fuck ain't louis better than me i go through that town fucking everybody up so, I don't know. Lestat is just a demon. And I, I can't stand that man. And I want him to meet his demise ASAP. <sighs> there comes a time in present day where Louis and Daniel are having dinner. And they, I think it's a seven course meal. And they've brought out a few courses for Daniel. And one thing I do like about this show is the relationship between Daniel and um, Louis. And I like it because one, the scenes we're getting are very good. I like that Daniel isn't afraid or I'll say he isn't showing fear. If he is, they have history and that's what is another something that has me watching intently because I know at one point we are going to bump up against the past with this storytelling because we opened up with the knowledge that Daniel and Louis have met 30, 33 years ago, I believe he said, and they were both young and it wasn't a pleasant experience, but he has all these tapes. And so now that he's interviewing him 33 years later, we're going to bump up against that time. And I want to see what does a young Daniel and a younger Louis, what, what does that look like? Both in like physically, what does it look like? When it comes to the story, what does it look like? And then I want to say Daniel said he was like hopped up on drugs back then. And Louis, I don't know if he was, I don't know if they said specifically what he was, but he didn't feel like uh, Daniel was worthy of his story. So like, what does that look like? I want to see y'all two bump heads. And the fact that they had that conversation 33 years ago, to me feels like Lestat wasn't around then either. Because you... You being Louis didn't mention it like I feel like it would have come up. So that's what I'm looking forward to. There's another scene where <laughs> um oh no, let me finish this thought. So what I do like about the present day is that they are the servants who are there working for uh Louis. They've brought out seven courses and the last one is a dessert. And this is the same dessert that Daniel had with his first wife after they got engaged. It's a really pretty something. I don't know. And so <laughs> Louis's like, yeah, I know that whatever y'all went to in France, I know that thing. I was there. And Daniel asked him like, what does this taste like to you? Cause um, Louis is eating the same meal. And he says, I like to, and he said once a day and once a week have a human meal to like feel grounded and connected to, my human side or whatever. And he said, it feels like mush, like there's no taste. And I don't know if that's something that I have seen in, or that I could recall seeing in a vampire property where 
not only, of course, they drink blood, but the idea of consuming anything else. Like it having this particular taste or lack of taste. And I would love for them to go a little further. I know that's going to sound silly, y'all, but bear with me. But I would love to know, like, how... It's that with everything, is it exclusively blood being the only thing that you can consume and taste? Because one, Lestat, when he killed the reverend or preacher or pastor or whatever, yes, he drank his blood, but he was tearing into that man's skin. And I'm like, so do you not, the meat, the flesh of this human, do you not taste that? Is it exclusively the blood that is the flavor and nutrients and the actual flesh and skin and what like that does that taste like mush in the same way that Louise said that dessert taste? And then if you were to, for example, chew on a shirt, which is whatever, again, bear with me, y'all. Me as a human, if I do that, I'm tasting the fabric. It may not be edible. It may not be delicious, but there is a taste there. So I wonder if with this kind of science or logic behind a vampire's uh, physiology and like, I don't know, taste buds, would it be the same? If you as a vampire are like sucking on a cotton shirt or chewing through a cotton shirt, are you not tasting cotton? So I don't know. That's that's just one thing I became like hyper fixated on once he said, and I was like, that is opening so many other doors to things that I want to know. Um, and this happens a lot in this, it, well, it happens a lot with me, period. But like when it's about vampires, something that I absolutely enjoy and seeing different people's takes on vampires, that's, that's what's interesting to me. And that's what kind of has me hanging on, even with my reservations to watching this show every week. Um, yeah, I want to know, like, does a chicken leg of ice cream and a cotton shirt, all have the same flavor to you because at one point louis drank the blood of some animal i think it was like an animal that was going extinct but he just like bit into the neck and sucked on it during one of daniel's courses and again i'm like does the animal have a flavor like i know the blood would probably be a little different but like the meat of this vampire i don't i don't know i got i'll get on a, a tangent and talk about that to the end of this episode but um, so there's a, a moment back in time where Louis goes to see his sister. That's when she says, oh, you got eyes are like church glasses. Um, and so at this point she's had twins. That was her first kids was a set of twins. And then she has another baby. I think this is maybe two years apart, two or three years apart, or maybe one. Hell, maybe she popped them out. And then a few months later, had this kid. Uh, time is irrelevant on this show. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> It could be two days that pass, or it could be two months. I have no idea. Do not care. But Louis is left alone with the baby because his sister has to go downstairs and tend to the twins. And Daniel keeps asking Louis, did you eat it? Talking about the baby because Louis could could hear the blood pumping, could hear feel the heartbeat since he was left to hold his nephew. And that was pissing me the fuck off. Because Daniel kept referring to this baby as an it as a thing and again the optics daniel is a white man discussing this i know he's a vampire but this black man's 
black nephew. And he's like, did you eat it? Did you eat the baby? Did you eat it? And he's like, the audience wants to know, or the readers want to know, did you eat it? And I was like, there's, that was, that part was so disgusting to me because you, we've established who Louis is. He's telling you his story. You understand that he has a mother, that his br- brother Paul died and he has a sister. The sister has a husband. They have like, you understand these familiar relationships and yet, did you eat it? Did you eat the baby? Did you eat it? It's like, what the fuck? You you do intellectually understand that that's his nephew. And even if you want to know if he ate his nephew, that makes sense because you're trying to tell the story. You want to get to the bottom of this. But the way that Daniel is discussing some of these things is very disgusting to me. Like you, if you call yourself separating the humanity from Louis and just treating him as this thing or this it, even that's weird because you've had this running with him before and you're so quiet when it comes to all the other aspects of his story where you can acknowledge that him and Lestat are together. You can acknowledge all the murders. You can acknowledge his family. But when it came down to this little black baby, it was like, did you eat it? Did you eat the baby? And I was like, this is weird. This is very weird. And it doesn't feel like it's in line with the rest of the, the show and the rest of the story that's being told because it would have made more sense even from Daniel's point of view to say, well, did you eat your nephew? Did you kill your nephew? Like, I don't, I don't, that's, I'm not even going to chalk it up to like, oh, that's an intentional by the show. They're trying to subvert such, no, this just feels like somebody dropped the ball. Now, unless this comes up again in the next episode, I don't know. But like that very specific verbiage is why everything is subjective. Nothing is just, um, um, free of bias. Because even if me as a filmmaker, if I'm shooting two elephants who are eating grass, my, my upbringing, my, um, lived in experience is going to alter or is going to shape the way I shoot this, this scene. And now let's take an Asian woman in a wheelchair. She's going to shoot it with her same lived in experience that may be it, the same shot may look a little bit different. And you take this older white lady from, I don't know, Louisiana. <laughs> she has a different experience. So I'm, what I'm saying this to say that even though Daniel is getting this story and he is kind of sort of the, maybe not narrator. He is the facilitator of this story and he's looked at as kind of being separate from the story because we are getting all of this from Louis. He's still very biased in the way that he's reporting this. And I'd venture to assume that 33 years ago when they had this conversation and him being hopped up on drugs, he's probably the same person, but just more of an asshole back then. And so where I initially thought, okay, Daniel, I'm going to like this guy. I truly, after this encounter, like, I mean, I think the actors are doing a, a phenomenal job, but I'm like, I don't, I ain't putting you in hell like Lestat, but I don't, you got to really sell me in episode three as to why I shouldn't hate you as well. Because at this point, the only motherfucker I give a damn about is Louis. <laughs> That's so nasty. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. All in all, this has been a really fun episode, um, a really fun show. And I like the conversations that are coming from it, even though I am. Still with my reservations, I do think that this second episode did a good job of capitalizing on everything that happened in the first. So it's like you got your first, your pilot, where you have to do a whole lot. And this one, you were able to slow down just a bit. And um, 
I'm just interested to see when the the young girl pops up, little mixed race girl, and um, you know, just what happens. I don't watch the trailers for the next episode. I don't do all that. I want to be extremely surprised every single time. And uh, that's that, y'all. Let me know what did y'all think about the second episode. Um, I know that there is issues and concerns that a lot of other people have been expressing as well. Uh, but I have found a few folks over on TikTok who are like very diehard and rice stands and they're enjoying all of this stuff and they've been kind of teaching me some things so please go ahead and follow me on tiktok carefree blurred same thing on twitter carefree blurred i want i think and i'm i think i'm i think i'm i think i'm on board (laughs) and i say that because there is another Anne rice story that is coming to fruition i think in january and it is the witches of mayfair no, Mayfair Witches, I'm sorry. And I don't particularly care for the witches. I love witch witches in, in TV and books and movies and all that. But like the specific girl that we see on screen, I don't really care too much for her. But I do I like her. She has a very interesting look. She's very pale with dark hair and her eyes are like ice blue. And that's always an interesting combination to me. Um but there's also a black man who runs this or who was a part of this organization i think it's called temecula and i'm loving it and so i'm really enjoying interview with the vampire and then i think after seeing that trailer for mayfair witches if i had saw that independently on its own i'd probably be like oh it's okay i'll watch it but having this kind of excitement and newness from interview with the vampires and then knowing this is in the same universe and because i believe the mayfairs the mayfair witches or the mayfairs were mentioned um in an earlier episode shout out to andrea sante i believe it was episode one he confirmed that they were like mentioned in the throwaway line and so i'll what i'll say is i am and do with this information what you will don't chop my head off but i am more excited at this Anne Rice extended universe, her immortal, immortal universe stuff, than I am for DC and Marvel. And it's not because DC and Marvel isn't good. It's not because I've thrown in my nerd hat. But this is truly new to me. There's nothing like there's no established continuity that i'm so involved in that i've been in since i was a child so coming to this Anne rice extended universe that amc is throwing together is so exciting for me um and then being able to be new to a fandom or new to a universe and have all these people who have all of this these years of knowledge and they're like oh no you love this and this is this and that and maybe you'd hate this and even if i come across someone where i hate Lestat but they love him just the excitement that they're getting from discussing why they do and this and that i'm still gonna hate them doesn't matter but i that's exciting to me and if i can get on the soapbox for a second the way that i felt discussing this show and the upcoming Mayfair witches and the reception I've gotten from other people who are like, Oh, you need to watch this. This is great. This is based off this book. It felt so, Oh God, it's so corny. It felt so welcoming. And I'm like, man, nerds are 
awful. Like when folks gatekeep this stuff and they try to act like because you don't know a hundred years of Tony Stark continuity, you are not a true Marvel fan. If you only started knowing about him in 2008, you're not like that stuff. Though those are like extreme parts of fandom. It's like I'm not getting out. I may, I may run into that. But I have not run into that yet with these Anne Rice things. <laughs> like, I just, I'm enjoying this. I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying experiencing a property that's done relatively well. Um, and then even if it's not, I'm enjoying people being able to say, well, I don't like this because in the books, this is what happened. This is what happened. Or this is better than the movie or the movie did this. But like, I'm enjoying that. And it doesn't feel like. Oh, you newbie to Anne Rice the first? Fuck you, because you didn't know that Aaliyah was actually like. I don't care. <laughs> I'm having fun. So, um, yeah. If anyone else out there is a diehard Anne Rice stan, or even if you just have you know a little bit more knowledge because you've read the books growing up, which I've never did, I have no idea why. But um, if you are a fan stan or whatever, and you're on board, you know, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> just don't spoil nothing for me but you know hold my hand through this process and this new fandom so yeah that's that y'all uh, i've been talking for a while this has been fun we're going to uh, jump in on episode three sometime this week please keep come come coming on back for the blood suite at carefree black nerd um i think next up will be I don't know, but something vampires. It's vampires all month. So until next time, y'all, uh, hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blur. Hit me up on TikTok, Carefree Blur. Uh, Instagram and all other social media, Carefree Black Nerd. If you have to, please email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. And please give me a very clear subject line so I know what this is in reference to. And um, until next time, y'all, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. And if you find yourself the sugar baby to a very ancient vampire... Make sure that motherfucker know to respect your boundaries and your identity because you are entered into this interracial union without the right preparation <laughs> to deal with someone who has their own very specific set of systemic issues that they're dealing with. Check yourself. And if you're out there, a white vampire who wants to enter into a interracial relationship with any POC or marginalized person, please study up on them before you start. <laughs> hunting them down to be in a relationship with you then getting upset because the issues that are very real to them and their people is now a nuisance to you lestat should be dead all right y'all